Hallelujah. We give God praise tonight. Our discussion tonight is on the crucifixion of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. Hallelujah. We are going to read a scripture, very short one. And the main, the, the, um, the discussion itself is going to be based on we sharing together from Scripture, hallelujah. So I expect that. I know we've all heard, in quotes, the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ so many times. But today we really want to delve deep into it. We want to look at, discuss among ourselves, you know, the events leading to the crucifixion. The crucifixion itself, his death and burial, and his resurrection, and even the ascension, if, if time permits. You know, and we look at the significance of those events to us in our lives as believers. Then we also want to look at, you know, make a comparison to the understanding of the disciples and how they lived their lives from these spiritual facts. Hallelujah. And how we are living our lives now in terms of our recognition of these events. What we are doing now, is it consistent with Scripture? Is this something Father is proud of? Mm. Hallelujah. And I need to say this to you, even as we begin. The fact that something has a Christian tag on it and appears Mm. good does not necessarily mean it is approved of God. Amen. Amen. The fact that something appears Christian and it appears good. It has a Christian tag, and even sometimes it becomes a trend in mainstream Christianity where every church group is, is, is participating in it or doing it. does not necessarily authenticate, spiritually authenticate that particular activity or make it approved of God. The Bible says that do not follow the multitude to sin. So right there we know that truth... And that which is approved of God is not in the masses. Amen. Amen. That which is approved of God is not in the masses. The fact that a lot of people are doing it is not an indication that God is in it. Hallelujah. Amen. Not so. It's not so. There's only one place of truth. It is what God has spoken. And God has already spoken to us in the person of His Son. Jesus Christ, as the Bible says. And it has been made plain to us in his written word. And I want to say this to you. Every word that Christ spoke, and every word that is written in the Bible, it means to us today exactly what it meant to the people it was, it was spoken to. So the letters of Paul to the Ephesians, the Colossians, the Galatians, um, the the Thessalonians and, and, and the, the Romans, everything Paul said, what Paul actually meant to communicate to them is the same thing that is being communicated to us now. It has no different meaning. It's the same thing. So when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, what it meant to Nicodemus, what Jesus was actually trying to tell Nicodemus is the same thing he's saying to us now, you must be born again. 
There is no, there is nothing like progressive revelation where the word of God takes on a new meaning in another generation. That is false. It is a falsehood from the from the kingdom of hell. Hallelujah. Amen. The word of God carries power. When it comes forth once, it is eternal. That is one of the qualities of God's word. It is eternal, meaning that it cuts across all times and seasons. And ages, and generations, you understand? Because it is eternal, it is not bound by time. So when God speaks, he's speaking to everyone. Those born and those yet unborn. Amen, amen. So you don't need to seek another meaning, another interpretation somewhere. Though the application of what you, what you have may be different because of, you know, uh, cultural differences now, the meaning is the same. You must be born again means you must be born again. It has, there's no other meaning. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen and amen. Anyways, let me not distract from what we are going to discuss today. I, I want us to go straight to our, our scripture for today. Our scripture for today. Um, We are looking at First Corinthians chapter number fifteen, and this is, not, this, this is just a scripture to set us up. Amen. But I'm believing that as we discuss, you'll be drawing upon other scriptures to make your points and to share whatever you know is on your is on your heart. But to begin with, let's look at First Corinthians chapter number fifteen. Let's turn our Bibles to First Corinthians. First Corinthians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts, Epistle of Romans, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. You went to Sunday school, you should know that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Diligent for riches. Oh. <laughs> you, see, you should think the books of the Bible so you know where they are. I remember those days. I was very good at thought, though. You mentioned it, and I'm there already. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that was good training. I'm telling you, at that time I really didn't know and understand what I was doing, but it's so it's it's such good training. Such good training. When I finally came to when, when the Holy Ghost took the hold of my heart, then everything that my parents had been inculcating in me began to make so much sense. So much sense. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter number fifteen, verse one to eleven. If you are there, say amen. Who can who can read for us? Let us know what version you are reading from and read for us. Who is receiving the blessing of reading today's scripture for us? All right, First Corinthians fifteen one to eleven. Yeah, I'm reading. Yeah, I'm reading from NIV version. NIV. Yeah. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you were saved. If you hold firmly the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am who I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No one worked harder than all of them, yet not I, by the grace of God that was in me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. Amen. Amen and amen. Whether they or I, this is what we preached. This is what we preached. That means that there was a particular message that was the content of Paul's preaching. And he said, and this is what you believe. That means the early believers, there was a particular message they preached. And what was that message? Particular message they believe. What was that message? Let's look at verse 1. Paul says, now, brothers and sisters, this is English, the English standard version. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you are taking your stand. I love that. You see, when you receive the gospel, the reason a lot of believers, it looks like they are, they are jumpy. Today they are here, tomorrow they are there. They, they have no footing in Christ. Yet uh, they really have no stand is because uh, they have not understood the gospel. That message of the gospel, when you truly understand it, it causes you to take a stand. It's almost like by the time you come to a full understanding of the gospel, you are placed at a at, at a at a crossroad. And you must choose a son. You must choose a path. Hallelujah. Like, like, like Joshua said to the people, he says, choose you whom this day, choose you this day whom you shall spare. And, and Elijah said to the prophets of why halt you between two opinions? There are a lot of believers halting between two opinions. Why? Because, you see, the gospel message, they've not yet understood it. And because they've not understood it, it has not really had an impact on their life. What Paul is saying is that I'm reminding you of the gospel I preached to you, what you believe, what you received, and on which you are taking a stand. The gospel causes you to take a stand. What stand is that? Hallelujah. We'll find out. Amen. Then he goes and says, by this gospel you are saved. Hallelujah. By this Amen. gospel you are saved. That's powerful. The agent of salvation is the gospel. Mm. That means you must understand, we must understand what the gospel is. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, in other versions it says, by this gospel you are being saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, that means that you see, your salvation is not complete until you continue to hold firm to the word to the end. 
If you turn your back on the word, the Bible says that God says, my soul will not be pleased to you. But the Bible says, we are not of them that turn back unto perdition, but we are them that believe unto the saving of our souls. Hallelujah. That is why you see 40 years from now, Lorraine, you should still be confessing that Jesus is Lord. Hey, Abigail, 30 years from now, you should still be confessing that there is no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved except Christ Jesus. Uh, Obi, 35 years from now, you should still be standing and proclaiming the gospel that Christ died according to the scriptures and was resurrected according to the scriptures. There is an empty grave to prove that Jesus lives. Uh, rather, 30 years from now, you should still be confessing that Christ, as he died, was, was the just for the unjust. And he abolished death to bring mortality, immortality to light. Hallelujah. You should still be confessing these things. That Jesus is Lord. You know, 30 years from now, we should not, we should not hear of you and all of a sudden you have new ideas. Uh, I don't know where they come from, but you, you begin to have new ideas like that. Which are not consistent with the ideas you have now, according to the scriptures. You understand? If you firmly hold, that's what the word says, if you firmly hold to the word I preached to you, if you firmly hold. So you see, our the reason we keep teaching the word of God, and the reason we continue to share the word of God is so that, you see, our hearts may continue to hold on to the word of God. Firmly hold. Because there are many things that are trying to deceive. The Bible says that in the last days, deceivers shall abound, deceivers. Who are they? First, false brethren. You know, many times we talk about false prophets, false apostles, false teachers, false pastors. But I tell you, the most prevalent group of deceivers are false brethren. They come amongst us in our meetings. They sing in the choir. They sometimes even come to our prayer meetings that they are false brethren. Why they don't believe as we believe? And through communication and conversation, they lead some of the weaker brethren astray. Those are the kinds of people who give you advice that are not according to scripture. But he's a brethren. He comes to you as a brethren. You are, in, you are having problems in whatever area of your life. Instead of the person taking you into the word of God and encouraging you from the word of God, he starts telling you some rubbish, and then you also follow it. They are false buried. Hallelujah. These are the people who weaken you in your faith. They don't encourage your faith, false brethren. They are bound all around us. There are many women, women trooping to the church because they want to find a husband. There are many men trooping to the church because they want to find well, a wife. There's a story about a woman I know personally. There's this Muslim who pretended to be a believer. So the lady will marry him because the lady was a very good lady, very beautiful and very humble lady. And the lady also, without prayer, married this woman. And after the marriage, the man now revealed his true self to her, that he was a Muslim. False brethren. Brethren, beware. Hallelujah. Somebody say beware. Beware. Oh, yes, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They, 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 and, and many of them, many of them are musicians sometimes. 
Don't sing one song with Christ's name in it. And all of us, everybody is hailing them as Christians. They are not. Some are presidents. They give one speech and mention the name of God. Oh, he's, oh he, he stands for abortion. He's against abortion, so he's a Christian. Who told you somebody who stands against abortion is a Christian? The Bible says that by their fruit you shall know them. Mm-hmm. Don't be carried away, brethren. Don't be carried away. The Bible says that test of spirits. You understand what I'm talking about? I don't know. It looks like the discussion is turning to a preaching, a, a teaching or a preaching. I don't know which one it is, but bear with me. The Bible says test of spirits. You understand? Don't be carried away by anything that comes. Amen and amen. Amen. The gospel is saving you if you firmly hold on. And I'll tell you what, brother. Fifth generation, that's why we are here. Fifth generation, that's why we are here. We are going to make sure by the grace of God that we run this race together. I keep telling the elders, that if Pastor Sam, if I'm beginning to teach doctrines that are not consistent with Scripture, sit me down and correct me. We must go hand in hand together to the end. Hallelujah. If you firmly, look at that Scripture again, if you firmly hold on to the Word I preach to you, otherwise, if not, you have believed in vain. That means that if not, the purpose for which you believed cannot materialize. And you believe so that you may be saved. That means that the salvation you were seeking by believing will pass you by. That is what the Bible says that in the last day many will say, Lord, Lord. They will call Jesus, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. We did this in your name. They some may even go for evangelism in his name. But they are none of it. Because a lot of people go for evangelism and go and preach garbage. Imagine people going to evangelism and they ask him, and the guy is telling them, you know, me, I know, you know, the church told us to come. I don't really need, I don't think, I don't really believe that Christ is the only way. If you're a Muslim and you really believe, if you're a Muslim and you mean what I believe is, if you're a Muslim and you really believe in your Allah, you're okay. If you're a Buddhist, and you, imagine. And what do, I'm telling you, I Pastor Sam, is this true? <laughs> uh... You don't know what's going on. I'm telling you, false brethren abound. There are plenty. That's why if somebody comes to visit you in your house, eh, some of your friends, when they come, the moment they enter their house, oh, I read, how are you? He says, oh, I'm fine, sit down. You give them a seat. You take, you take a Bible. You open a scripture. You read with them. You read about five chapters. Afterwards, you pray for 30 minutes. And you examine after that, after that prayer, you know whether the person is a false brethren or not. Because if the person came to deceive you, you need. <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Look at this. Look at this. Now it goes to the gospel. He says, verse 3, he says, For what I received... For what I received, for what I received, I passed on to you. Paul received some. You remember Paul? When he, got, when, he, when he met the Lord on his way to Damascus, the Bible says that he was blinded, and there was a prophet of God 
who God spoke to and he went to pray for him for his eyes to be open. And after that, the Bible says, well, the Bible doesn't really talk so much into detail about what happened, but Paul was in the Arabia Desert for 13 years, and then he received the revelation, the revelation concerning Christ, because Paul was not, was not, did not see Christ, but Christ appeared to Paul. He had a personal revelation of the Lord Jesus, and the Lord taught him and gave him the revelation of the new, the new life in Christ, which he expounds to us liberally in, in most of the epistles. Hallelujah. So Paul says, for what I received, I passed on to you. As of first importance. As of what? First importance. That means that, you see, the first and most important thing is what Paul is about to talk about. He says, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's the first point. That is the first that's the first point. If, if, if you're trying to put the gospel in points, this is the first point. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. What does it mean? It means that the death of Christ was foretold by the scriptures and Christ came and fulfilled it. That right there tells you that the Bible is true or the scriptures are true. They are truly the words of God. Because Christ fulfilled them according to the scriptures. He died for our sins according to what does that mean that Christ died for our sins? And what has what has that what effect has that on me? Let's discuss that. Let me pause here and let's discuss it. What does it mean that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures? Let's discuss it. Let's discuss it. Hallelujah. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean, brethren? That Christ died for my we sing it so much so much, right? We sing about it in church. Christ died for my sins. What does it mean? What does it mean? And why did Christ, why was it Christ who had to die? Why couldn't somebody else? There are a lot of Jesuses in South America. Why didn't one of them die? Why couldn't I myself die for my own sin? Why? Any any thoughts? Let's share, brethren. I know we, 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 we let's share, let's share. Come on. Hi. I want to hear you. Hello. It's Carla. Hello, Carla. Go ahead. How are you? I would say that um obviously, like you said, there are many Jesus, but there's not someone that's actually perfect. It's God. He mm. came, God incarnate, to to die and bury our sins on the cross and. Um, we had the first Adam, but he was the one who came to to fulfill scripture, to fulfill the the law, and 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 obviously die for us. Like, he was the second perfect Adam that made it all perfect. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Carla, you've opened a can of worms right there with the statements you just made, and we we would have to delve in and and really see what what they all look like, you know. First of you, you said that because he was God incarnate. And second, you said that he was the second and last Adam, the perfect man. Hallelujah. We have to look, we have to really look into those three things, what they mean and why, what significance that had on his death. Hallelujah. We have to look at those three things. 
But before we touch on them, any other thoughts? Why did Christ have to die for our sins according to the scriptures? Why did Christ have to die for our sins according to the scriptures? Any thoughts? Any thoughts? Oh, brethren, I want to hear your voice. Oh, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you. I'm begging to hear you tonight. <laughs> or oh, I should call names. If you leave me hanging like that, Pastor Sam, I'll call names. Oh. Is Mary, is Mary on the line? Mary. Hello. Oh, yes. The tycoon himself. Hmm. <laughs> Please help us. Why did Christ have to die? And brother, you see, when we're having discussions, that don't be, don't be shy that you might say something wrong. No problem. We are all here to learn. All right? Nobody, we're all here to learn. And it is better to share so that even if it is wrong, we can correct so you have the right perspective on God's word. Hallelujah. From the scripture, we are doing everything in love. Okay, so don't be, don't be afraid to share. Whatever is there, share it. Takun, go, go ahead. Well, we know that one of the, we know that the scripture says that the wages of sin, yeah. and can you come again? Well, I said we know that the word teaches us and tells us that the wages of sin is death. The wages and of sin is death. As we know, the entrance of sin. Don't death was working in lives. Death was working in all of creation. And part of what the Lord Jesus Christ came to do was a redemptive work from death and sin through sin. So we know that when the Lord Jesus went to the cross to be crucified, God the Father made him to be sin. To be sin. So God took all the world's sin, put it on the person of Christ, and crucified it so that when Christ died, sin died to be sin. That we might be redeemed from the sting and the effect of sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Any anybody else? Mary, thank you so much for that. That really lays down a lot of foundation for us. Anybody else? The Bible says that that Christ died for our sins. What does that mean? And why was it Christ? Why Christ? Amen. So Hebrews verse nine twenty two says mm. that I'm reading from two different versions. The first version is the King James. 
and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without mm -hmm. the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. If you look at the NIV, it says that, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So until blood is shed according to the word, there is no forgiveness. And as Marin said, Jesus Christ represented sin on the cross, carried the sins of the world upon him at the time. And he needed to go through that process for mankind to be saved. Why is he the person that was chosen? Because John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever. And so that is the main, main foundation upon which um, our redemption and then our position in Christ stands. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're connected with the scripture in Revelation chapter 5. From mm. verse 9, it mm. says that they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because mm. you were slain, and with your blood mm. you purchased for God. Persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign mm. on the earth. Yeah. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten, ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Ready is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. These are all the virtues loaded and these are all the resultant effects of Christ dying for us. These are all the things that we are supposed to exhibit in our redemptive nature. But this question that you ask is a very big question. And we have to split it, divide it, and scrutinize each and every variable. Because the parameters are so huge. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is, that is Elder Oswald for you. That is elder also dividing the word of truth. Hallelujah. But that is, in fact, everything that our dear brothers and sisters have just said, from what Carla said to what Mary said to what also said, is right on, right on point. Hallelujah. Why did, why did the Bible say that, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture? Who was Christ? And why was he the one who died? Like Carla said, he was the perfect sinless one. And like, um, and, and as Mary said, he was the one who bore our sins on the cross. But even before that, bringing in what um, also just mentioned, because he was the one, the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundation of the world. I love that one. I love that one. He was the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundation of the world. Even before anything was, even before humanity was upon the earth, the Lamb of God had already been slain. God had made a way for himself. God had made provision for himself. That is what I will say. Before any problem exists, there is a solution. So no problem of yours surprises God. As a matter of truth, 
there's a pro there's a solution waiting for you to access. So no problem should ever, you know, make you scared or make you worried or make you frustrated or make you throw in the towel because there is a solution already. Before the foundation of the world, before God, the Bible talks about, the Bible talks about, in Job, the Bible talks about, God was asking Job, were you there when I founded the world? And do you know the pillars upon which they stand? Hallelujah. The Bible talks about how God founded the world. Before the foundations of the world were established, the Lamb of God was already slain. In eternity past, the Lamb of God was already slain. What did God see? down the timeline of humanity that he had to do that. He had already made provision. He had already made provision. Because he is all-knowing. The Bible says that his arm has brought him salvation. When, when the Bible talks about the arm of the Lord, he's talking about Christ Jesus. It is a prophetic name of Christ. When the Bible talks about the finger of God, he's talking about the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 52, who has believed that report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That was talking about the Christ. Now the Christos is different from Jesus. I need to show you something. The Christ is different from Jesus. Christ is a title meaning the Messiah. The one who was anointed and appointed for the task. And the one in eternity past was the Lamb of God. It was God who had given himself in the person of his word at that time. And when the word took on flesh and came into the world, that was when he was known as Jesus. That's what the Bible says, unto us a child is what born. But unto us a son is given. The son was already there. The son of God, the perfect representation of who God was already was there. He was already there. He was already there. Always there as the word. And he was given. That's why the Bible says that. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. His only begotten son. At that time, at that time, he gave us his only begotten son. He was begotten there when Mary gave birth to him. Uh, he was begotten when he was brought forth by God. Listen, until the Christ was brought forth as the Son of God, God was not Father. There was nothing like Father because he was all God. A spirit, he was a spirit. The Bible says there's a father, he's a spirit. There's one like father. But the moment he brought forth the son, when, when, he, when he brought forth the son as the word, which was always a part of him and had his own being, had his own divinity, that was when he was father and he was son. And the son was given unto us. Hallelujah, because he was the anointed and appointed one, and the son came in the flesh. So Jesus, concerning Jesus, Hebrew says, A body has thou prepared for me. I love this one. A body has So Jesus was simply a body that was prepared for him. 
and the son came into the body and fulfilled the word of God. So the Bible says that grace is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in flesh, that was Jesus. Because you see, in this world, you can't do anything without a body. The human body is the legal entry into this world. So the child was born, and his body was prepared as a vessel for the son. Amen and amen. Who is a Christoph? We'll learn more about him later. We'll learn more about him later. But that is because he was the anointed and appointed one for the assignment. He was slain from the foundation of the world. That was why it was he. He, the Christ, the Christos, who died for our sins. And our brethren clearly explained to us the reason for, for that. Amen. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's look at the next thing. That is our first point. I mean, we can continue to ex- exhaust that first point of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. I love that, according to the scriptures. According to the... So let, let me ask this question. Who killed Christ? Did Christ commit suicide? Did the Romans kill him? Who killed Christ? Who killed Christ? Let's discuss, baby. It's a discussion, though. Let's discuss. Who killed Christ? Gabby, what do you think? Obi, Uncle Ben, what do you think? Who killed Christ? Um, Pastor Sam. Yeah, Ben. I, I think um, Christ lay down his life for us. Mm-hmm. So was that suicide? No, it, it, it wasn't suicide. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, it wasn't suicide because um, it's like he didn't give up his life to be in death forever, but he had the power to also come back. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I, I see suicide to be more like you are dying for something and that's it. You are, you are dead, you know, completely gone. But Jesus just gave his life for us and, you know, came back to life. And, well, when you ask the question, this scripture came into my mind in John 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in John 10, let me read from, I think, um, 14. It says, I'm the good shepherd. That's Jesus speaking. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the father and i laid down my life for the sheep so here he says he lays down his life from for the sheep and let me jump to the verse 17 he says the reason my father loves me is that i lay down my life only to take it up again mm. he lays it down only to take it up he says no one takes it from from me but i lay it down mm. of my own accord i have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again yeah, so I think this explains that question. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Bennett, for that insight. Anybody wants to add anything to it? Um, I, I might add that uh, in some respects, the Lord was slain 
I'm um, using that term um, maybe in quotes, but the Lord was slain by the Father. Mm-hmm. John three sixteen as we uh, as we all know says, For God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we see sort of the type, the foreshadowing of the sacrifice that the Father was going to in the life of Abraham, God asked to find his son. Uh, in that sacrament, Abraham was the one who was going to kill or play a son. But the Lord spared Isaac, but did not spare his own son and gave him up for the mm-hmm. atonement and to return us home to himself. Hallelujah. So, Hallelujah. In that sense, the Father gave the Son as the perfect lamb to be slain. To be slain. And the interesting thing is in giving the Son, he was giving himself. Hallelujah. So, we see Ben, ben explain it perfectly for us and and Elder, ben, Elder Marion also added to that explanation. As Christ said, I lay my life down of my own accord. He says, no man can take it from me. Hallelujah. In the same way, no man can take Christ's life from me. The Bible says, Christ is your life now, meaning no man can take your life. Amen. I didn't get an amen on that one. Amen. 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 Listen, 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 let, me, let me say it again. I said, the Bible said, Christ said, I lay my life down of my own accord. No man can take it from me. You Amen. understand? And the Bible says to us that Christ is our life now. Do you believe that? So if Christ is your life now, no man can take your life from you. Amen. No, they Amen. can't. They can't take your life. They can't take your life. Hallelujah. They Amen. can't take your life. But look at Isaiah chapter number 53. Something just to add to that. The Bible says in verse 10 that yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. Now the word Lord here, you know the funny thing is the Jewish people had a name they used to call God. You know, they called God by, and God actually gave them those names. They called him by that. You know, they called him by Elohim and Jehovah. But the Bible translators, when they're translating the word, they put the word Lord there in the English. Why do, I wonder why they don't leave, they just did not leave it there, the name there just like that. It says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. See, it was Adonai who made his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the Lord the will of the Lord would prosper in his hand. Mm. It was the Lord's will to crush him. Mm. That's interesting. So we see the will of the Father and the will of the Son at, at interplay here. So Christ was not a matter. You know, sometimes during this time, Easter time like this, we talk about the death and resurrection of Christ and we tell stories to the kids at Sunday school, and it's as if the life of Christ was just something that, you know, we tell it like just stories. Yeah. 
you know, he died. He was just a good guy who died, and you know, he was not a martyr. No, he laid down his life for a purpose. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Let's 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 continue in our scripture. Let's continue in our scripture, shall we? Let's continue. Let's look at let's look at the continuation here. He says, The Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried. Christ was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What does that mean? And of what importance is that to us? That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That Christ was raised on the third day according to the scripture. What does that mean to us? What does that mean to you? I, I want to hear. I want to hear voices of those who have not said anything yet. Hallelujah. The Christ was raised according to the scriptures on the third day. On the third day. Why not on the second day? After all, he's God. He can raise him. God can raise him up again any day. Why on the third day? Hallelujah. I only hear thoughts. I only, I only hear. Hello. Is this Irene on the line? How about Felicia Chicago? I'm here, Pastor Sam. Yeah, Felicia, you want to you want to share something with us? Um, I think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm thinking, I, the third day because um, well, that is to fulfill scripture because I know there's the part that Jesus said um, he will build the temple in three days and I think he was talking up it wasn't he wasn't talking about the physical church and he was talking about mm-hmm. um I think um the the death and the resurrection. So I think that was mm-hmm. to fulfill scripture. So that's what I think. That was scripture. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. That's wonderful, Felicia. That's wonderful. Any any other thoughts, brethren? Any other thoughts? significance of he rising in our lives. Oh yeah. yeah. We are discussing yeah. everything around it. Okay. Yeah. Um is that a some scriptures I want to read um, which I believe sure. answers the question. So in the same first Corinthians fifteen where we are, we stopped at eleven but I want to read from twelve to nineteen. Okay. Um, yeah. It says but if it is preached that Christ has not been raised from the dead how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And if there is no resurrection mm. of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Mm. Wow. Hello? Yeah, Ben. Ben, we oh. are listening. Okay, sorry, I went off. It says, and the verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, 
and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, that testify about God that he had raised Christ, raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Um, yeah, so this is a key point. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. That means your faith mm. is useless, and you are still in your sins. And now mm. we believe that Christ has washed away our sins. And the significance here is, you know, here it started by saying that, and if Christ has not been raised, we are still in our sins. So um, that answers one part of the question. Um, okay, yeah, I'll just end there. Yeah, I'll just end there. Okay. I have a very telling question, though. Ben. Uh, Elder Ben, someone yeah. will ask, but, but Elder Ben, Christ, I thought Christ died for my sins. So if he died for my sins, my sins should be dealt with. So if he died and he had not risen, does it mean that if he died and he had not risen, I'll still be in my sins when he had already died for my sins? How do I, you know, reconcile those two things in my mind? Where the Bible says that Christ died for my sins. And now it's saying that if he had not risen from the dead, I would still be in my sins. So that means if Christ died and remained in the grave, and we can still see him in the tomb now, that means even though he died for my sins, I'm still in my sins because they have not been raised according to the scripture. So how do I reconcile those two things? Now, how do I reconcile those, those two scriptures? Yeah, um, so from the scriptures, from the scriptures, what I see is, yes, he died for our sins, but he rising again gives us the power over sin now that we did not have before. So, mm. um, there is something different that, you know, the people who believe in, I mean, other religions do not have, because we believe in people who are dead. And, well, they, they over sin because of you know because Jesus over sin now and we know that the completely hallelujah yeah hallelujah now brethren this is a very key part I want us to really take note of and as just as um, our dear brother brother Ben was explaining to us it's so key that we understand this you know, that Christ died, you know, that Christ was raised according to the scriptures. And it tells us that if Christ had not risen, our faith is futile. That means that the bedrock of our faith is the resurrection, not the cross. Now, this is so, it's, it's very counter to a lot of people's thinking. Hallelujah. The bedrock of our faith is not the cross, it's the resurrection. Christianity the new life in Christ begins from the resurrection because it says, if Christ had not risen, our faith is well useless. And we are still in our sins. That means even though Christ died for my sin, because he did not resurrect, I'm still in there. Now, why is this so? And our dear brother explained it beautifully. And I just want to add something to it. The Bible says that, as Elder also said, the wages of sin is, I think it was, it was Mary who said it, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what eternal life. This gift of eternal life was in the person of the Son Jesus, whom he had given to us, who brought abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Hallelujah. Now, 
When Christ died, the, 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 the thing we have to understand, these are very legal terms. All right. You are a sinful man standing before the court of justice in heaven. Your sins are so much, you have to pay for the rightful penalty. You have to pay the penalty for, penalty for your sin, which is death. You have to die. You have to be executed. But somebody comes and says, I will take your place. This is Christ. And the beautiful thing is, the judge sitting in the seat, judging your case, is the one who has provided an advocate for you to handle your case for you. Isn't that a blessing? And the advocate says, I will take your place. Meaning that the wages you have to pay, I'll pay for it for you. So he came and he paid for the penalty of your sin. So you are free to go as the same person. But you see, sin is not just an action that you take. Before you commit that action, the sin is already in your heart. Because sin is a state of man's spirit. You understand? So when Christ died for your sin, that was the payment for the penalty of you committing sin. But even though you are free to go, you are still the same person. Your spirit is still sinful. And so you can go back and still sin again. That's why the Bible says, if you are not resurrected, you are still in your sin. Meaning that you still have your sinful state. Nothing has changed about you. But the beautiful thing is, when Christ went down into the grave, in the mind of justice, I went with him. He was representing me. He did not just represent me by dying for me. He resurrected for me unto newness of life. A new spirit that has not existed before. A new species of person that has not existed before. So, in the mind of justice, that is the mind of God, when Christ resurrected, I resurrected with him unto newness of life. So the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. So the old man that was standing before the bar of justice for whom Christ paid for his sin, he is no longer there. He is dead. Now a new man has come forth who has no history. He has no past. His spirit is changed. Instead of a sinful spirit or a sinful state of the spirit, he has a righteous state. A Permanent righteous state. The Bible says that the, the just for the unjust. That we might become the righteousness of God. That is what you have become. You are literally, God made him who knew no sin. To become sin. So Jesus became who you were. That was the sinful man. And you became who he was. The righteous man. In your spirit man. That is who you are. There is a rebirth by the Holy Ghost. Every generation. So you are no longer the sinful man. That is why the Bible calls you saint. So Paul wrote the letters to the Ephesians. He says, the saints in Ephesus. He did not say the sinners in Ephesus. Hallelujah. Stop saying I'm a sinner saved by grace. You are not a sinner anymore. Amen. Say you are not a sinner anymore. You are not a sinner anymore. Some of, some of us are struggling to say, they say, I am not a sinner anymore. 
Some of us are still struggling to do it. As I said, I am not a sinner anymore. I'm not sinner anymore. But Pastor Sam, but I do sin kakakra. I do sin small, small, you know. I lie here small. I do this small. I think bad thoughts small, small. Does that not make me a sinner? No. When you stand in the garage all the all, all, all twenty four hours a day, does that make you a car? No. You right. The fact that the light is off does not make you darkness. Mm-hmm. You used to be darkness and you are now light. Yes. Mm-hmm. The fact that the light is not turned on does not make that light darkness. You are still light. All you have to do is turn. So what you have to learn to do now is to learn to live as you are. So you are not a sinner. You are a saint. That is who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you falter, if you falter, it does not make you a sinner. Hallelujah. That does not make you a sinner. You are still a saint. The fact that babies cry does not mean they are dogs. We are talking about natures here, natures, not actions. We are talking about natures here. You understand? A baby is a baby whether he crawls or he sits or even if the baby barks. It does not make him a dog. He's still a baby. He's a human being. The species is different. You used to be of the similar species. God has changed irrevocably your species. The Bible says that we were made like unto the first Adam who sinned. Therefore, the Adam begat after his likeness. After he sinned, he begat after him. Meaning that the same sinful state Adam was in, he begat Adam in the same sinful state. But the Bible says that, like Father said, when the second and last Adam came, who was perfected, we are born the image of the second and last Adam. And we are not like Jesus. But when Jesus was Jesus a sinner like Adam? No. You are after Christ, not after Adam. Hallelujah. Say me, I am, say me, I am after Christ, not after Adam. Yes. You are of the seed of Christ, not the seed of Adam. There are only two races of men in this world. The race of Adam and the race of Christ. The race of the first Adam and the race of the second Adam. Which one are you? That's what the Bible says, that you are a chosen generation. Hallelujah. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Listen to the word. A holy nation. When you wonder, oh, I'm not holy. And you sing this song, I am not worthy, holy Lord. Stop singing that song. Stop. Please. You make God very angry. And you make him feel like, why did I think Christ didn't die in your place? If you are still saying, I am no way. He says, He has made you dead. He has qualified you to be me to, and made you partakers of His glorious inheritance. Are you trying to say everything God has done is in vain? Come on. Come on, brethren. Let's look at the scripture. Let's not allow these holier than thou people who try to present themselves as if they are so humble. Those are false ideologies. It's not according to scripture. Hallelujah. That's who you are. That's who you are. 
So I refer to you as saints of God, amen. Or you want me to come on the line and say, hello, Sinus. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Sinus. God bless you, Sinus. Sinus, Ben, how are you? Sinus, Felicia. Sinus, Felicia, how are you? Sinus, Lorraine, how are you? That is not your identity. But you want me to rather say, Saint Ben, how are you? Hallelujah. You respond to that one. Hallelujah. You are a saint. Saint Marine, that is who you are. I was reading somewhere that the Pope is now going to colonize Mother Teresa as a saint. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. You are a saint the day you are born again. You don't need to die and after 500 years, some Pope somewhere who doesn't know his left from his right will come and canonize you that you are a saint so that people pray to you. It's total bogus and foolishness. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 None of Christ. That's who we are now. Hallelujah. So, you see, that's the beauty of the resurrection. So, our faith hinges or stands upon the resurrection. The resurrection is the beginning point of Christianity. The Christian life in Christ does not rest on the cross, it rests on the resurrection. Oh, Ben, thank you so much for pulling that scripture out. So beautiful. So what you should be obsessed about is the resurrection life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Aye. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. Yes, we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the gospel. Those are the two points in the gospel. Amen and amen. Amen. Our time is up. Let's try and wrap up. Oh, you are enjoying it so much. Let's not go anywhere. Let's just stay here. Right? We're enjoying it so much. Amen and amen. And the, the beautiful thing that the Bible says that he was raised according to the scriptures. According to the, and there are so many typologies in the scriptures concerning how Christ rose on the third day. Right? Uh, Felicia gave us one when Jesus was talking about how if they tear down this temple, you will rebuild it again in the third day. When he was talking about his resurrection. The other thing Jesus said, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, three days and three nights, Two days and three nights. Two days and three nights. So shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth. Three days and three nights. That means that if Jesus had resurrected on the second day, he's a false prophet. If Jesus had resurrected on the fourth day, he's a false prophet. It had to be the third day. Because as Jonah was in the belly, they asked him, What sign shall you show us so that we may believe that you are truly the Son of God? That was the main bone of contention in Israel. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. They said, I'm not the Son of God. Jesus said, I'm the Son of God. Believe me for the works that I do. And he said, what sign shall you show us? He said, this is the ultimate sign I'll show you. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish, three days and three nights. And I tell you, brother, that man Jonah, he died and he was resurrected. He was one of the few people who was resurrected. Because, you see, the event of Jonah's life typifies the event of Christ's life. Mm -hmm. So Jonah died. If you read the book of Jonah, the Bible says it. Jonah himself describes it. When he was cast into the sea, and the waters were over him. What will happen to you when you are drowning in the water? Won't you die? Jonah died. The Bible says, Jonah says, he went to the gates of hell. That's what Jonah says. Read Jonah. Jonah died. And he says, oh, in, the, in his anguish, he cried unto the Lord. Sakomba, Sibeyetes. 
and then a whale swallowed him. Not a whale, a big fish, that's what the Bible says, and brought him to shore, and he was alive. He came back to life again. Jonah came from the land of the dead. In the same way, Christ also came from the land of the dead. Now that brings something. If Christ died, and he said, you rise on the third day, I know some of you say, well, Pastor Sam, this is not so important. How can we now, we celebrate Good Friday as the, as the day Christ died? Like, this Friday, a lot of people are going to celebrate Good Friday. Abigail texted me and said, uh, I, I we're talking about something, and I said, she asked me about Easter, and I said, when is Easter? And she was surprised. Like, she was very surprised that, as a pastor, I don't know when Easter is. <laughs> is that the on the line? <laughs> I think I was very surprised. I didn't know when Easter was as a pastor. But I'll show you something. I'll show you something. Amen and amen. This Friday, a lot of, all over the world, people are celebrating Good Friday, the day Jesus died, right? And then on Sunday, early in the morning, they'll go and celebrate that Christ has resurrected. From Friday to Sunday, how many days is that? Is it three or two days? Ask yourself. How many days is that? Talk to me, brethren. Today I'm wrapping your feathers. Talk to me. There are certain things you believe for so long, but they are bogus. You have to know the truth. And you know, I say, how many days? Friday to Sunday, how many days? Two days. Two days. So by our own admission, it means Jesus is a, is a liar. Jesus said, as Jonah was in the belly of the faith, three days and three nights. He must also be in the belly of the three days and three nights. But from Friday evening to Sunday, that is two nights, one day, because we claim he rose in the morning on Sunday. So two nights and one day. It's not even. It's not even. It doesn't mean cut to half. So where did we get that ideology from? Hmm. And Jesus said, "This is the sign that shows." That he's truly the Son of God. I'm telling you, brother, there are so many things that are being handed down to us by tradition, mainly from the Catholic Church, Anglican Church, and all those, you know, those medieval churches. When the church married the state, and they began to change certain things, we've also accepted them, and we celebrate it with vigor. Ask yourself, have you ever seen the word Easter in the Bible? But people, oh my goodness. But... You know, Abby, don't get, don't get mad or angry, all right? I'm just saying something. But see, Abby was surprised as a pastor. I don't know when Easter was. You are equal to Easter in the Bible. Jesus never said celebrate Easter. Did Jesus say we should celebrate Easter? Man. Am I still quite? I'm, I'm really pushing you. Did Jesus ask us to celebrate Easter? And you, and you, my disciple, you shall celebrate Easter by checking the moon and seeing when it will appear. Is that what Jesus said? Okay, Jesus did not say, let's look at the life of the believers. The early believers, did they celebrate anything like Easter? Did the believers celebrate anything like Easter? Talk to me, brethren. Talk to me. <laughs> okay, let's get a little bit deeper. Now you see Easter all around. You go to Walmart and everywhere. They are selling Easter bunnies. You see churches also. They go and buy some rabbits, hide some eggs, and people are running, children are running after the eggs. Where do you see that in the back? How that, look at the, the depth of revelation we are learning today. 
concerning the resurrection of Christ, the death of Christ, where Christ had to die, who he was. How that if Christ had not died and resurrected, will still be in our sins. Look at such revelation of truth. What has that got to do with Easter eggs and bunnies? Talk to me, church. What has that got to do with Easter eggs and bunnies? And the funny thing is the eggs to are colored. Yellow, brown, blue, black, white. What has that got to do with colored eggs? <laughs> and on Sunday, most of us, some, most of the church will be dressing their children, going to chase Easter bunnies and Easter eggs. Oh, we are hunting for Easter eggs. You know, we do things without knowing why. The real festivities that God gave the Israel, the Israelites, we don't even know them. If I ask you, when is the Feast of Tabernacles? which is actually in the Word of God, which God gave, God himself gave them those festivals, seven festivals to celebrate. Because we don't even know our Jewish roots. We, we, we don't know how they say. When is the Feast of Tabernacles? When is the Feast of Pentecost? When is the Feast of Unleavened Bread? When is the Passover? Do we know these things? We don't know. But something else that has been man-made and brought to us, we have embraced it with all our heart. Before uh, and I, I know, our burden with children, I know we will not do that. Please, don't let any of your children participate in any paganistic activity of egg hunting. They are not hunters. Hallelujah. <laughs> I said your children are not egg, they are not hunters, so they shouldn't go hunting for eggs. Take that from me as your pastor pastor and your brother. Don't let them go hunting for any eggs. Rather, sit them down and teach them the truths that we are just sharing today about the gospel, about how Christ had to die, about how he had to be resurrected. Teach them about these things. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to go, because of time, I'm not going to go deep into these things, but I want you to go yourself and do your own research and find out. Okay, concerning all these things that we do, we claim we do, and we are, we, we don't really know the whereabouts, how they came, and we embrace it with all our hearts. Let me tell you something. These are just, for one, Walmart is making sales. <laughs> you know how the world is making money off believers. Somebody is so angry because during Christmas, he can't say Merry Christmas as a Christian. Where is that one to cry in the Bible? Where is it in the Bible that you are so angry about? <laughs> where, where, where? Show me, where? You see, let, let's be very, we, we have to open our eyes. Let's not be deceived and led astray. Amen and amen. But we need to understand the truth. Amen. So, on the last note, and I want to open the floor, I want you to share also. What we are practicing now, Obi said something to me today. <laughs> it's so fun. Obi, can I share it? Hello, Obi. Can I share what you shared with me? Okay, that's cool. So, Obi said to me, today is Palm, today is palm Sunday, so he, she will prepare Palm no soup. For bed. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they said, the palm nuts with has nothing to do with palm sun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And Obi said, you have to enjoy it like that. That was how I was brought up. <laughs> On Palm Sunday, we prepare Palm Notes with Amen and Amen. That's very powerful. Rohan is going to the next time. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. But, is it brethren? Before we leave, I want you also to share your thoughts or your ideas on this. You know, looking at, this is the last topic we're going to take, and I know we've not exhausted everything, but looking at the things we are doing now, how do they line up with the Word of God? And what should we do as believers? I want us to share our thoughts. Share with Let's share our thoughts and then we leave today. Our time is always fast spent. All right. What should we do as believers? What, what should be our take on such things? Amen and amen. What should be our take? Pastor um, Sam, I think, um, like you're saying, you know, a lot of these things um, we see today is like, well, we thought of those things since we are kids in Sunday school, but they don't line up with the Word of God, so we have to search the Word of God to see what it says about these things, and that's what we should do. Um, mm. And, you know, when you, started, um, when you started talking, I mean, introducing the discussion, you mentioned the fact that, you know, truth is not necessarily in the masses, and that is true. I mean, we might seem, you know, odd and all that, especially those with kids, it's like, well, your kids want to go and play with the other kids, they want to play with the colored eggs and all that. And you are telling them, no, don't do this. But I believe we still have to stick to the things that are truth, I mean, from the Word of God. Yeah. You know, even though we might look odd and all those things, and once it's not in the Word yeah. of God, we should not do it. Because, I mean, anything which is not from God has a link with the devil. It's either God or the devil. And once we do anything which is not of God, we open up doors for the devil into our lives, into our families. Mm-hmm. So we just have mm. to know what the Word of God says. And and one principle I have is, well, if I don't know if it's in the Word of God or not, then I'll not do it. You know? Mm. <laughs> yeah, just, I'll just not do it. You know? At you least that one, you if you're on the safe side. Yeah. 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 And I think the good thing is to ask. Yeah. Ask and find out. Hallelujah. Any Any other thoughts? Ben, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Any other thoughts? Any other thoughts on this? I beg you, have not said anything. Any other thoughts? You want to say something? I want you to only give. Yeah, silly. Go ahead. Well, um, I'm a bit confused um, with mm-hmm. what you're saying. Because, well, mm-hmm. for the Easter bunny and the eggs and all those things, that I understand. But can you really clarify? by when you say that we shouldn't celebrate, like Easter shouldn't be celebrated, because I think that if we, I mean, yeah, the word, the name Easter and its origin, there's a lot of controversy behind it, but let's, okay, let's say if we don't even call it Easter or we don't call Christmas Christmas, but as Christians, isn't it good to just set a date aside to just like remember the day Christ died and when he resurrected and just have like a ceremony and all that to celebrate that without being like stuck on certain customs. But if this is what I'm getting from it and maybe I'm confused or I didn't hear things right, but 
Are you talking about the bunny and the eggs and all those like crazy traditions that's associated with celebrating the death of Christ and the resurrection or just the whole holiday? The holiday. Good question. Now, Sally, if you listen to me very well, the argument I was making was that where in the Bible does it tell us to celebrate Easter? You know, I did not say the celebration of the death and resurrection of Christ is wrong. No, it is not wrong. All right. But the most important thing for us, and obviously the other paganistic traditions that go with it have to be taken out, you know, and we do not have to participate in them. Just because they are nice does not mean it is for us as, as children of God. We have to take them out. But for us, our heart must be such to understand the truth behind it all. So having a day set aside to celebrate the resurrection and death of Christ, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The Bible says that if you have faith, have it to yourself. You understand? Mm. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the truth is, you see, God has actually instituted something for us by which we will remember his death and his resurrection. Mm. God has already done it. Let me tell you something. The Passover meal, which we take in the form of communion always, all right, right. Jesus said when we do that, we proclaim his death. Okay. You understand? That communion that we take, it has so much implications. It has so much meaning and relation behind it. It is a remembrance of who Christ was and what he did for us. So already there is something there. Okay. But having a day set aside, say 25th October, I'm going to celebrate the the death and resurrection of Christ. That's wonderful. Maybe on that time you said that, that you really teach on the death and resurrection of Christ and all that. But you as a believer, every day, Jesus said, do this as often as you can. As you take communion always, it, it, it reminds you of it, of these truths. As you celebrate the Passover daily, it reminds you of these truths. Hallelujah. You understand? Amen. So having a day set aside, there's nothing wrong with it. You can celebrate Easter, but as you do, the most important thing for you as a believer is to understand it, understand the truth about it, and do not say, oh, it doesn't really matter if it was two days or three days or something like that. No, you have to know truth. The Bible says, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are dealing with truth here. That's why it's so important. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And that must be the foundation by which you approach anything. I'm not saying don't celebrate Christmas, but understand the truth behind everything. You understand? It's very important for you as a believer. And most importantly, find out, has God already instituted something for me to celebrate? What are those things? Why don't I rather celebrate those? You understand? So the, 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 the point I was trying to make is not that, okay, Easter is wrong and demonic. No. The origins of Easter is wrong and demonic. We know that. You understand? The church in those days, because to accommodate the 
pagans who were coming into Christ and coming into church tried to marry, you know, whatever festivities they had already with with things that correlated to, you know, certain things in the in the in, in church doctrine or in, in our Christian faith. And that's why we have all these celebrations. But the word Easter actually comes from the goddess Ishtar, who is a goddess of the moon, a, a, a goddess that was was being worshipped in those days. And it was a spring fertility god. That is why Easter is in spring. It was a time celebrated to usher in the spring. It was a spring fertility god. That's why you have eggs, because eggs signify fertility. That's why you have those things around. And, you know, we see that they, that's what they celebrated, okay? And the church tried to marry that with, you know, the death and resurrection of Christ, because the resurrection of Christ symbolized new life, new beginning, and all of that. Right, but uh, before those things came, we had our own already. And the funny thing is, those uh, during that time, the Christians who were pagans before, they wanted to celebrate that and come into the church and all that, you know. And because they didn't want them to do those things outside, they decided to bring them into the church. You understand? Now, because of understanding, when people celebrate, you know, we rather spend time. Worshipping, blessing God, and you know, understanding really, let me say probably in some places, understanding really what the message of, of the gospel is about. Hopefully, that is what is happening in churches. That is not merely celebration. We go and we go and just sing songs and, and have an Easter bash and then we come home. We can sing some two hymns and all. No. But the truth is silly. We need to find out what is in the Word of God. What has God already said? What God has already instituted things for us to. Hallelujah. Amen. You understand? So I, I, I hope it makes sense now, Sally. It makes sense. I yes. just wanted you to clarify more. Oh, yes. It, I, I mean, after really clarification... Helped. As for clarification, it is very necessary. And you see, you don't want to do things out of guilt. As a believer, you never want to. You see, as a believer, one of the things that is so important for you is your conscience. That's what the Bible says, if you have faith, have it to yourself. Right? So one, one person esteems one day about the other. Another person esteems all day alike. God accepts them all. So you don't let your faith become a stumbling block for somebody else. One person does not eat meat. Another person eats meat. The person who does not eat meat, you know, is always condemning the one who eats meat. That is, if you have faith, have it to yourself. Hallelujah. So, but in these matters, the, the thing is, we need to under, understand the underlying truth. There are things that have been passed down. Okay, my main concern is understanding, do you know the truth? Like today we're talking about, you know, Jesus died. He was, in the, he was, he was there three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. And if you are even going to celebrate it, why don't we get it right? Why don't we get it right? If somebody, if I don't believe I was in the night, he went to the Bible. Jesus said he was in the belly three days and three nights. You celebrate Good Friday and then Sunday you are going to say Jesus has resurrected. It's not three days and three nights. What would the unbeliever think? Where did that come from? There are a whole lot of questions, but the most important thing, understand the truth behind it. Know what God's word has said. 
You see, one of the things the devil does is he packages his things in such a way that they appear just like, that's why it's called counterfeit. And then the masses troop for it. But it shall not be so among us. Hallelujah. Because we will know truth. I said it will not be so among us because we will know truth. And we stand in truth. No matter what the masters say, no matter what people are doing, we will know truth and stand in truth. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, yes. yes. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. We don't care what people say. Amen and amen. Yeah, and, and Pastor Sam, you know. Yeah, uh, then. Yeah, you know, when Sally asked the question, I was just thinking, well, you know, so let's say concerning Easter, why did we not see maybe the, the early church in the book of Acts or even the ministry of Paul, Peter, and all those prophets, I mean, apostles? Why did, we not, why did we not see anything about, you know, Easter? You know, and it's like, well, they are the model church for us these days. And, you know, sometimes we pray. We want to see the power of those times. We want to see, you know, uh, like the way the Bible says, even their aprons and their handkerchiefs were healing the sick, their shadows and all those things. Meanwhile, we are not doing the things they did, and we are doing the things they did not do celebrating the things we did not celebrate. And I mean, is it like we received a different revelation by the Spirit of God who did not reveal it to them at that time? Or, you know, what are we actually believing and what are we celebrating? Is that what they did? And why do we want to see the same power they saw? Another spirit has spoken. The Gawilian says a man came to him and said to him, the angel of this age has revealed to me <laughs> that Gawain said to the man, I pronounce curses on you and that angel of this age. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, that's why the Bible says, you know, test our spirit. And as believers, we have to be very careful. You know, we must test our spirit. Test our spirit. It's so much, it's in black and white. In the word of God. If it's Christ's word is in red in your King James, it's so clear, so clear, hallelujah. And it's so, so important. Let me tell you something. If you want to stand for truth, you'll be persecuted. Because you'll always be the odd one out. Because, you see, the present-day church, we like following trends. We like following trends. This is, this is what is the new trend in, Christ, in Christendom. This is, this is what we are doing now. So. We like following trends. But the Bible says, ask ye of the old paths, the old way, the righteous way, that you may walk in it and find rest for your souls. He said, this is the way, walk ye in it. Hallelujah. That's why I say generation assist. If you look at what we have, this is the way. Say, ask ye of the old paths, that you may dwell in them, walk in it, and find rest for your souls. And find rest for your souls. Hallelujah. We need to know. This is a, and even this brings up, it's so important to know church history. Most of you don't even care about that. The things that have come. The Bible says, content endlessly for the faith which was once for all delivered unto you. What faith was delivered unto us? 
And you see, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that a generation arose in, in Israel that did not know the Lord. Why? Because their parents did not teach them right. If they didn't knew the Lord, they believed wrongly. So the Bible said they did not know the Lord. And it's so important that we now must teach the next generation, our kids, we must teach them the right things. We must teach them the right things. If not, another generation will rise up. They will think they know God, but they don't. And it's a sad thing. A lot of people think they know God, but they don't know God. It's another God, a figment of their imagination. And the worst thing is self-deception. Self-deception. So worse. Hallelujah. Anyways, these things, when I talk about them, I get a little passionate. Forgive me, Pastor Sam. I get a little passionate about these things. Because truth is in my heart. That, like, truth is that my, it's, my heart yearns for truth so much. Hallelujah. And that's, that's what I believe God is calling us to. That's what I believe God is calling us to. Any other, any other words before we, we leave today? And today we spent two hours. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful to me? Amen. It really is wonderful, yeah. It feels like we spent about five minutes. That's been wonderful. Any, any other last word or question before we leave? Oh, Sister Rhoda, today I've not heard Rhoda's voice. And Lorraine, I've not heard your voice. You want to say something before we leave? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyways, we bless God so much for tonight, brethren. This discussion is a wonderful discussion. And I think it's good um, in the weeks to come. We'll discuss more on these things. You know, we have to, the Bible says, iron sharpened iron. And so the countenance of one man sharpens another. And we need to rigorously subject our beliefs to the scrutiny of God's word so that we can rightly divide the word of truth and, and lay good foundations for ourselves. So we'll continue doing this type of things. Um, we want to lift up our voice now and begin to bless the name of God and just thank Him for this, this time of of fellowship in the word we just want to thank you for this time of fellowship in the word lift up your voice and begin to bless God for this time of fellowship in the word in the name of Jesus lift up your voice